here's where you have to know how to drop your golf ball. Sure speeds up play when you have those drop areas. Fowler has dropped the ball twice. The Shambo is going to get a free drop. Something bad has happened if we end up here. This is the drop zone. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Good afternoon. However you are listening to your drop zone, I am Sean Zock, joined as always by Dylan DeChair. And you know what, folks? This has been a big week uh, on the PGA Tour in, in the world of professional golf. Uh, for starters, we have the LPGA Tour starting back up this week. We have Zephyr Melton joining us later on in the episode to talk about what that season's going to look like. But first, we're going to talk about the PGA Tour coming to Netflix. This is why you follow the drop zone. Why? Because one half of the drop zone, maybe the harder working side of the drop zone, reported out a lot of news about Netflix and the PGA Tour uh, trying to replicate the success of F1's Drive to Survive. Dylan broke this news months ago that there was going to be a show. And I believe you are breaking part of the news this week about just like what it's going to look like, who's going to be totally involved and when we're going to see it, you know, the, the who, what, where, what, and why we got a lot more info from Dylan on golf.com. Dylan, thanks for doing that. Hey, <laughs> thanks, thanks for, for being here, Sean, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Yeah. I quote unquote broke the news this week, but you know, what I'd been waiting for essentially was just to try to figure out the final list of players that were participating. And, you know, as a result, because Netflix was also trying to figure out their list of players participating, it's one of those things where like, you know, you see it in other sports, someone will report something and then the player themselves will be like, well, wait a minute. I don't even know that I'm <laughs> signing with the Broncos yeah. yet. How are you going to tell me before that? Yeah. So, then, of course, by the time I actually got the information I needed to report the story, Netflix themselves also reported the story. So, Wait, I, why was so? Why was it such a tricky deal to figure out who was going to be involved? I think that these players just were not positive that they all wanted to be involved. And um, from talking <laughs> to that is so classic of PJ Tour players. I yeah. want to get that out there. Like, eh, I don't know if I want to be involved in this rather complimentary, you know, display of my day-to-day -day life. From talking to agents and, you know, some of the people just with with familiarity with the show, I would say that part of the hang up is just that there's not really like a players association. There's not um yeah. there's not an equivalent to like the NFL PA uh or a union or something. So in the NFL, when they're shooting hard knocks, I think that that you know, has something to do with it. You have your team, you have your organization, you have your players uh, union. And so there's people that kind of negotiate these things. This show has existed in theory since 2019, maybe even a little bit beforehand. Uh, Netflix finally greenlit it last year, but since then it's just been a constant, um, a constant hunt, I guess, for player commitments, uh, which has meant a lot of meetings, backroom dealings, it's funny. There's so many people competing for PGA Tour player attention right now. I guess everyone's trying to sign them, right? Yeah. You've got these new yeah. leagues that are trying to get them to sign on. You've got Netflix. Uh, you've got you know obviously brands left and right. Um, hey, don't forget about the NFTs. They're trying to get all those players involved. Too. The NFTs. That's my little breaking news corner of the world. A little bit less than Netflix, mm -hmm. but you know we must stand for it. 
Absolutely. So yeah, I mean, it's been an interesting process to kind of track since the initial news came out. Uh, I think that they've continued to build momentum really with players. I think that the initial list that they uh, began with helped build a bigger and better list. And, and so the final list is pretty significant. It's five of the top seven players in the world, 10 of the top yeah. 20 players in the world. Um, it's pretty high powered as far as, you know, names that your average golf fan will be familiar with. There's a few that are missing Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson, Rory, Bryson. Um, those are probably the That's four basically it. biggest yeah. ones. Apologies to Patrick Cantlay. um but i mean yeah let's just run through the list here really quick this is in alphabetical order we don't want to pick any any stars that are better than others abraham answer daniel berger cameron champ joel damon tony finau matthew fitzpatrick tommy fleetwood ricky fowler sergio garcia harry higgs max homa victor hovland dustin johnson brooks kepka colin morikawa kevin na mito Pereira. Ian Poulter, Xander Shoffley, Jordan Spieth, Justin Thomas, Bubba Watson, and the world number one ranked amateur, uh, Kita Nakajima, is also involved. So that's 22 pros plus one am. That's a it's a big cast. I do wonder, like, let's say, I don't know, some player who is, you may know, Gary Woodland, for example. Who knows if Gary was asked about this? He's ranked outside... Uh, I believe he's ranked outside the top like 120 or 30 right now. Let's say Gary Woodland like wins the Masters. He might now suddenly like, is that possible that they would pivot towards getting him involved? I definitely think that it's a little bit fluid. And I think it's possible that like throughout the season, maybe one of these guys is going through something and then suddenly kind of pulls the plug. I don't know. Yeah. From talking to uh, Joel Damon, I talked to him the other day. He was at the Sony Open and, uh, confirmed that his name was on the list so I, I gave joel a call and asked you know how he was feeling about the whole thing and he's such a fun-loving guy i w- wasn't sure what his reaction would be but he said he was a little apprehensive frankly he was like look i'm i'm used to being in the public eye but really only on my terms i'm not a guy that's used to having cameras in my face all the time um so i think this is going to be a new experience for some of these guys some of them will be more comfortable with it than others. But yeah, I mean, if you think about, um, oh my God, I can't play. We left John Rahm off that list. That's, I knew that there was someone else that's not involved. World number one golfer, best golfer in the world right now, John Rahm. Um, I know that they were trying to get him involved. They were trying to get Rory McIlroy involved. And I still think it's possible that those guys will be involved in some secondary way. I mean, certainly they can use footage of them playing in competition. Um, But yeah, it's possible that throughout the season, They'll sit for interviews. Uh, yeah. You could know, imagine them trying to get Tiger Woods to sit for an interview if he plays in a PGA Tour event this year. So the the people that are actively involved in the cast, it may not be as binary a thing of are you in or are you out as it seems like. Yeah. Let's, let's look at this list and handpick the three people that we are most excited to, to hear from. All right. Like, Understanding that this is a sit down, these are sit down interviews in which you will be talking about other people on tour. You'll be talking about yourself, uh, your processes, maybe your thoughts um, mid collapse on the back nine. Like these are going to be things that they're asked. Um, so I'm just looking at the list 
For one, I love Tommy Fleetwood. I think he's a guy who has been a ton of fun in Ryder Cups. He's done some kind of uh, potentially naked, funny things behind closed doors at Ryder Cups. Um, I'm excited for Fleetwood. I'm excited about Spieth because Jordan does not do a ton of like one-on-one media. You know, he's he used to have a deal with Golf Digest. He'd be on their cover once a year. He doesn't have that deal anymore, at least as far as I know. He he has passed up, or at least his team's passed him up, him being on our cover of our magazine. So we're going to get Spieth. And Spieth is one of the best talkers in this game. He's one of the best dudes at breaking things down, breaking down his psyche, breaking down his uh, things he's doing with his hands and the swing. Spieth is probably number one for me on this list. And then scanning the rest of it, I think people are going to fall in love even more than they already are with Victor Hovland. Uh, I knew you were going to go there. Yeah. He's Vic on my list is, for sure. I mean, you, the guy has the ear to ear smile that he can't wipe off his face. Um, I've spent a little time around him and talked about just random things with him. You know, we did, we do this um, Tita green video at golf.com and we did it with him and he was just ready to, to riff on everything. We eventually started talking about the Stanford project or the, the Stanford experiment, which is this psychological experience experiment between the prison, uh, the prisoners and the guards. I think that happened in like the seventies or eighties. Anyway, Victor had plenty of thoughts on that. And so I don't know if we'll get those thoughts out of him, but we just know that he doesn't really cap things off. You know, Tiger Woods has made a career out of answering the question that he has asked and stopping right there. This show is going to thrive off of people taking it beyond the question that they're asked. And I think Vic will be one of those guys. Yeah, I think to that point and to your Jordan Spieth point, I think these guys are going to be more comfortable in these interview settings because it's not so real time. Um, So if something happens during a round and... Jordan Spieth, say, has to go face the media immediately afterwards. He knows, A, he's reacting in real time, but B, he is going to say something that will be played on SportsCenter that night or will go into stories that are going to circulate around the world a couple hours later. And I think that there is something subconscious that kind of clicks there, that then you want to be more guarded. You don't want to hamper your prep for the next week etc etc but if you're just talking to people that look they're not beat reporters they don't care about getting a story out for the next week they're not doing real-time reporting they're not interested in that i think that frees these guys up um so i think your list is great tommy fleetwood is awesome because he's in this place in his career where he's looking for a little bit of a comeback totally he doesn't even have complete pga tour status this year so he's relying on sponsors exemptions um, I mean, he, he's still ranked in the top 50 in the world, so certainly he has some pretty decent standing, but, uh, but he's in an interesting place in his career. Jordan Spieth, the, the tour did acknowledge that players will be allowed to be mic'd up if they agree to it. Um, so just the idea of just a chatter <laughs> montage with Spieth and Greller and having a Spieth centric episode. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be so good. Uh, you have a couple guys that exist largely on social media in fans' minds that we're now going to see in real life. So Max Homa and Joel Damon, who are yep. both probably quieter in everyday real life than you would think at first, just based off their Twitter personalities. But then like just very clever, subtly funny guys. I think that they're going to add a lot. Joel said he wanted to be careful not to just be 
the class clown of the show. But then he was thinking about it and he was like, but you know, that's who I am between all the shit that me and Gino do. I think, you know, I think we'll be able to find something. Um, Hovland, you're right, is going to be such the darling of the show in terms of upside. Dustin Johnson might be my number one. I mean, we could get nothing from DJ. He could he could just shut down and and not really get into it. But there is so much we don't know about Dustin Johnson. Um People generally just rave about him, say that he, you know, he's just the nicest guy, never says a bad word about anybody. Um, pretty positive force that just seems to enjoy life. But look, there's a lot of Dustin Johnson's life that's pretty interesting to me that I don't fully understand. <laughs> uh, and then, look, no matter what you think of him, Brooks Kepka is going to be must watch, I would say. Yeah. So the show started filming interviews at the Hero World Challenge. And uh, someone that I talked to that was, you know, kind of familiar with Brooks Kepka's opening interview just came away like grinning, like so, <laughs> so just excited about what this person had heard uh, that Kepka said and just how kind of revealing he was. Think about the timing of that interview, right? This is the beginning of December in the Bahamas, not more than one week after he had beaten Bryson in the match you know that that is, is going to play a factor. And what I don't feel so good about is that Bryson's not going to be involved in this Netflix show. He's not going to have a say, right? Yeah. Brooks is going to have the mic right in front of him whenever he wants to use it. Um, and he'll use it in plenty of different ways. I, I, I love Brooks Kepka with all the chips in front of him, anteing up and just maybe dunking on people, dunking on the game of golf, things he doesn't like. It's good stuff. There's nobody that that keeps score more than Brooks Kepka. I mean, <laughs> the guy, yeah, the guy is like this petty scorecard of, uh, you know, receipts just from throughout the years of like slights, perceived slights. Um, so I'm excited to hear him kind of air that out. Obviously there are concerns about, you know, the players, their images, the players protecting their images, the PGA tour protecting its image and the players images. And I think that if there's been, like reservations about this thing in, in just the reaction since the news has gone out, that's probably been number one. And I think that that's very fair. Um, I think yeah. that it's, you can be, you know, skeptical until proven otherwise, but at, people are at least talking a big game. They're saying the right things. Uh, the tour says over and over, you know, we, we need this to be authentic. We want this to work. We do not have editorial control. Um, so everyone seems to get it. Everyone's everyone involved seems to understand that like, yeah, this is not a, this is not a straight up squeaky clean PR play. The stuff that's interesting is the stuff that's not squeaky clean. And Jay Monahan apparently gets that he's been a big proponent of the show from the beginning. Um, so I don't know, Sean, there's a lot to like about it, honestly. People are going to say, how is this going to be at the same level or better than the F1 Drive to Survive show? Um, and so when you, when you think about that question, you think about, well, what does the F1 show have? It has some star power. It has maybe not necessarily a, a foil, but it, it has a rivalry. Mm -hmm. um, it has these up and comers that people can get behind. Yeah. And... The other thing a relatively had, tight cast also like not a yes not as deep as this cast 
And the other thing I think it has going for it, perhaps easily the most important, is that it had American audience that didn't know these people. And so you learn who Lewis Hamilton was by watching Drive to Survive. You learn yeah. who Max Verstappen was by watching that show. I think PGA Tour players have a bigger um, Q rating than maybe, uh, maybe it's not even the right rating, but they have more popularity, I think, than the next level, like, like the 15th most important or most popular PGA Tour player is probably more well-known than the 15th most popular racer. And so, or driver, whatever they call it. Uh, my, my concern is that we already know a decent amount of these guys. We know a decent amount about them. What more can we uncover? Um, what, what will be super exciting about the Valero Texas Open through this Netflix lens you know, eight months after it happens, um, compared to crashes, you know, mm -hmm. that you have an F1, you have the adrenaline of a race, um, yeah. people throwing their headsets off, you have anger, uh, you have a ridiculous amount of emotion. Golf has different emotions. I don't know if they play the same, but I'm so excited to find out. That was talking race cars with Sean Zock. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, our uh, friend of the drop zone, Jess Smetana was talking about this last night. Just look on a basic level, golf is golf. And, uh, with drive to survive, you have fiery car crashes and things moving at extremely high speed. So that's the advantage, but golf has the little stuff in golf. People care about little tiny things. There's a reason that everyone can kind of get intrigued by the weeds of Patrick Reed grounding his club in a waste area. Can you because imagine if that happened on, a, on Netflix? It oh will. God. Like something is going to happen. <laughs> sure. Every year something like that happens. Not saying it will be Patrick Reed grounding his club or taking relief <laughs> be the, again. It'd be the favorite. Um, but there are these little tiny things that turn into bigger things. I mean, if you think about Brooks versus Bryson, which became a very well-known popular feud, that has its roots in like slow play. So we're going to get guys talking shit about other guys yes. playing slowly, doing like, you know, not repairing spike marks like the the little petty things about golf are in <laughs> some ways perfectly suited for a the reality world. TV show. Um, yeah. And that is to some extent what this is. It's a reality TV show. I think that that's maybe a cheap way to describe it, because I think this is going to give us a lot of insight into the way these guys are. Uh, yeah. Is it going to be journalism? No, not necessarily. It's a it's a TV show. It's entertainment. Uh, yeah. I think it's a lot of fun. I really just see this as a positive for the the PGA Tour. Um, yeah, I don't I know. Mean, how I don't know. It, Am I too close to it? Like, is there what's the <laughs> counterpoint there? Well, no, I don't think you're too close to it. I don't know how this is done and is you know not entertaining. It's going to be entertaining. It will peel back the curtain at the majors. You're getting people to the major championships. Netflix will be at the masters. Like what, uh, what drive to survive has in spades as a result of the form of the sport is behind the scenes. They have the pit crew and they have, you know, the racing chief 
like, is does golf have a version of that? Does golf golf has caddies? There are coaches. Yeah, do they, they do. Are, like, are the wags? Are the wags going to get involved? Can we get Paulina on camera if Dustin does something? Like, I that's how this becomes like super entertaining and yeah. potentially just as entertaining as actually having the behind the scenes to the golf. Because as you reported, like there's an incredible lead time on this. We're not going to watch this show for another 12 months. Isn't that so, tough? It's yeah. really hard <laughs> learning about it, knowing it's happening, knowing these interviews exist, and then saying, oh man, all right, we need a full calendar year before we're probably going to see this. They haven't released yeah. it. They, you know, they haven't said when they're releasing it, but it's definitely not going to be until after the season. And then, I mean, can you imagine how much footage they're going to have to pour through? So I would say, you know, end of 2022 or or beginning of 2023 is probably like a realistic time to think that we might be watching this. Yeah, I'm hyped for it. it there is going to be a ton of footage. Um, I, 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 you know, it would be a great time to release it. it would be like. Thanksgiving of 2022 because essentially the golf season's over at that point yeah. and you want and the whole genesis of this thing is to get people excited about golf when golf tends to get exciting it's the beginning of the new year so you got to give people that like time to to digest all this stuff and yeah. really forget the match again. imagine black friday just tucking into a few episodes of yeah whatever the unnamed show is going to be totally well it is Extremely exciting. Good reporting from one half of the drop zone. Hopefully I can live up to my end of the bargain and report something half as fun as that soon. That is a good enough of a Netflix conversation though. Let's move on to the LPGA tour. Uh, I would watch a Netflix show on the LPGA tour. Maybe that's what we'll get next. Um, Definitely. Uh, we should have asked Zephyr that actually. <laughs> we should. But yeah, we, we, talked to, uh, we talked to our Zephyr Melton. He's our chief LPGA correspondent at golf.com. Um, we asked, we ran through really 10 burning questions as the LPGA season begins. Um, and I think it was a fun conversation. So tuck in, get ready for the LPGA, get ready for Netflix. Enjoy your long weekend. We'll see you next week. Joining us now is Zephyr Melton. Uh, you could call him like Mr. LPGA for golf.com. I don't know if he even wants that nickname, but he knows the LPGA as well as anybody on our staff does. So we've got him on to help us preview the season. It it begins in earnest this coming week uh, down in Florida. I kind of noticed Dylan that, and I don't know why this never like dawned on me before, but like I love how the PGA Tour is on one coast and the LPGA Tour is on another coast. It makes so much sense. They eventually like flip coasts when the when the Florida swing takes for the PGA Tour, then the the women go west out to California. But anyway, Zephyr, we're gonna run you through. 10 questions we've got for the LPGA season. We want you to tell us everything you know uh, and help us kind of catch up to speed on everything that's happened in the off season. Maybe we should, uh, maybe we should first have Zephyr just like tell us about Zephyr. <laughs> is this, Zephyr, is this your drop zone debut? I think this is my debut on the drop zone. I've been, been a listener for a long time and this is the first invite. So not sure if I should feel long time listener, first time, first time caller. Caller, so. could you give us like a fifteen second biography? I uh, cover LPGA, amateur golf, and instruction for golf.com. And uh, just excited. What's your to be name? Here. Where are you from? Where are Zephyr Melton, golf.com. I'm from Texas originally. West Texas. My dream is uh, West Texas. Yeah, I've spent a little time up in 
Sean's neck of the woods in Wisconsin. So I'm not unfamiliar with his upbringing. But All right. That's, an, that's enough of that. Yeah. Let's get to your knowledge. Zephyr, thank you for being here, though. I think Sean has question number one for yes. you as our LPGA expert. Question number one is someone that we've covered for a long time because she broke onto the scene incredibly early in her life, Lexi Thompson. She has not won on the LPGA Tour in two years, which blew my mind because she's basically been a top 10 golfer the entire time. Kind of shows how good she is, but why hasn't she won? It, it, it kind of befuddles me that she can't get it done. Uh, it might seem a little simplistic, but she just hasn't made putts when she needs to. Um, I, I know at the U.S. Women's Open and Olympic Club last summer, oh. I was there and saw her kind of leak oil on the back nine. And just really, so she was very tentative with the putter, couldn't make anything. And then late in the season, she had a similar thing where she had a little short one to extend a playoff or, or even win, I think. And I wasn't at that tournament, but yeah, and she just couldn't make putts when she needed to. And at this high level, the margins are so thin. And unfortunately, Lexi's putter has betrayed her. I feel bad. Like it's definitely one of those things that we've seen happen a couple of times now where you almost feel like it's going to happen before it happens. It doesn't surprise you. Like if, if Jordan Spieth missed a five footer to tie a tournament on, you know, 18 on Sunday, you, I think you'd be surprised. There'd be a level of shock there. But with Lexi, when it happened these past couple times, you almost felt like that was supposed to happen. And it sucks to admit that, but that's just kind of been her game. Yeah, I mean, she just she just hasn't looked confident. Like it, you can kind of just see it in her body language and the way that she's approaching these pods. She just doesn't really look like she expects herself to make it. Yeah, it just hasn't worked out for her. Does she get it done this year, though? Like, do you think she has what it takes to kind of get over that or, or is this going to be something that continues to kind of haunt her? I think she will win again. Um, whether or not it's this year remains to be seen, but you know, she talked a lot last year about having a newfound, um, I don't want to say perspective, but kind of a new attitude where she's not getting as down on herself while she's out there. And even after the collapse at Olympic, she, she kind of said that again, and she was out there signing autographs and interacting with fans afterwards. Whereas in the past, I don't know that we would have seen that. So I think her mental attitude is where it needs to be to win again. But, you know, until you start making putts under the gun, you're not going to win a lot of tournaments. So we'll see if Lexi can do that. Speaking of the U.S. Women's Open, Zephyr, I want to talk about question number two here. With the addition of the the increased purse, um, some incredible venues coming down the stretch, all this that was announced last week, I think the U.S. Women's Open has cemented itself as the number one event on the schedule. Is that correct? Yeah, I think safe that to was say. Uh, safe to say even before the purse increase, yeah. but now even more so. All right. That, so that was not the burning question. My burning question was, what is the second biggest event on the schedule? Yeah, well, I mean, now... You know, KPMG has invested a lot in the women's PGA and they're going to some really great venues. You've also got AIG investing in the women's British Open. So those two are up there. And, you know, I know what used to be the ANA inspiration will wrap up its tenure. Yeah, they're getting a big uh, purse jump. Dinah too. Shore. Yeah, but they're jumping up in the purse, going to move down to the Houston area for the Chevron championship. So depending on where they put that um, tournament, it could very well be that one. But I think all of those other, the other three big majors, I think 
they're all uh, neck and neck. And, you know, with these sponsors investing in them, they're going to some really great courses. The purses are increased. The fans out there are great. So it's hard to say, but maybe I'd say KPMG women's PGA might be the second, at least in my eyes. Do you know where that's being held this year? This year, it will be at Congressional. Oh, wow. So it's going to be an exciting time there in the, Yeah. Sean, I liked how our our guest there was sitting on the fence, which is something you get on me for for doing from time to time. But then he got off it at the end. He kind of stuck the landing on an answer there. So I appreciate that. Yeah. He treated it like a balance beam for a while, walking on it and, you know, doing a really good job of that. We don't like that here on the drop zones. We like people picking sides. Well, sticking the dismount. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Not a lot of politicians on the drop zone, I guess. I'm going to make sure that you jump off of the the fence on this one. So number three, question number three for the LBGA tour season, Yukasaso is like far and away my favorite LPGA tour player. She seems so, she's so young still, right? She's 20 years old, uh, extremely talented. She seems extremely innocent. Like we saw her watching, uh, the, the men play at the Century Tournament of Champions, and she was just in awe of Bryson and how he was hitting hybrids that are just soaring through the sky. She's basically the second coming of Rory McIlroy in many ways. Um, I know you like her game a lot, but like when you point your compass at the future of the game and you want to figure out where is the future of this game going to lie and which player is it going to lie in, is it Yukasaso or is it someone else? I mean, I think Yuka's got to be up there. I mean, she won the U.S. Women's Open last year. She was five strokes, six strokes behind, I think, (laughs) on the front nine to Lexi, and everyone thought she was out of it. And she just kept plugging away. She hits the ball beautifully. Whenever you see her swing in person, I mean, she swings just like Rory McIlroy. She said before she watched videos of him growing up, and really that's how she taught herself to swing the club was like Rory. So it makes sense that her swing looks that way. But um, I'll go – in a different direction for a player who is not even a pro yet that I think will be the future of the game. Rose Zhang, um, freshman at Stanford. I mean, just absolutely cleaning up. She was an incredible junior player now, just really dominating the amateur game. So Rose will be, whenever she decides to go to the pro circuit, she will be the future of the game. I don't think like your uh, description there, cleaning up uh, is wrong in any way. I think it's totally accurate. But I don't know if it totally captures like what she's actually doing to the amateur game. I don't, I don't think there has been a more dominant amateur in golf like at large in a really, really long time. You could, you yeah, could I say mean, no one since Tiger. It's probably not necessarily true, but it might be. Yeah, I mean, she, I mean, she won like her first two or three tournaments. First three right tournaments when she got to Stanford. Yeah. Um, and that, that whole team is stacked. They also have Rachel Heck out there and she's another fantastic amateur player, but yeah, that Stanford team is stacked, but yeah, I think maybe selling Rose short a little bit saying cleaning up, she's just been dominant. Um, and she was a dominant junior player as well. So I see no reason why her game won't translate to the next level. All right, Zephyr, the fact that Nellie Corda has jumped up to this world number one ranking is sort of covering up the fact that the rest of the American women are fading a little bit. Yeah, Danielle Kang has slipped outside the top 10. Lexi Thompson has slipped to number 12. There's only one American in the top 10. There are four in the top 20. If you include Lexi, Danielle Kang, and uh, Lizette Salas is at number 18. How many Americans will be in the top 20 at the end of 2022? 
in the top 20. Well, let me let me take a look. So we got Lizette at 18, like you said, Lexi at 12. I'll take a top 10 answer also for kind of extra credit there. So I think Nelly is a given. She'll be up there. She unless she just falls off cliff, which I don't think anyone expects something like she has. Yeah. I think she could just take take the year off, and I don't think she would drop outside the top 20. Um, All right, you know, let like, me revise the question completely to just the top 10. That's okay. actually a much So who's going to climb team. back into the top 10? I mean, Danielle mm-hmm. is right outside the top 10. She's 11. Um, you know, she's always a good bet to win any given week. Like we said, Lexi, if she can get the flat stick going, she could be a top 10 player in the world. I'm not sure Lizette Salas quite has the firepower. Um, I think her and ceiling. Jess Corda is in there at 22 would be another yeah, potential so, pick. Let's say two. I think Nelly and then one of either Danielle or Lexi. But yeah, I mean, that's kind of the state I'm of the game. Overly optimistic. That's the, there. It, the thing is about yeah. this question is you're kind of asking him to 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 break down maybe why the Americans aren't doing it. And like the simplest answer is that the internationals are doing it. Like you're basically you're you're seeing a lot of these these kind of fringe can win a tour event. Uh, LPGA Americans that are just like, they're just good, not great, or they're great, not elite or however you want to talk about it. And they're going up against these people who are made to do this, who are born to do this from East Asia. I think everyone in America would love to see this trend flip. We just have no proof that it ever will. Yeah, I know. I mean, like you said, the women's game is just dominated by international players and specifically East Asia. The Solheim Cup, you had the uh, the European women take it to the Americans. The Americans have lost four out of the last six Solheim Cups, which, you know, back in the day was not the case. The Americans used to kind of dominate it. So, yeah, American women's golf is kind of, you know, other than Nelly up top, it's getting a little thin there in that next echelon. Yeah. So we'll see how that goes this year. All right, let's move on. Question number five, Lydia Ko. Uh, I think – she was once the just you know the new face queen of the LPGA tour. That was on <laughs> it's in her entire career, but that was a while ago. And she ended her winless drought last year. It was about three year winless drought. Uh, that was obviously monumental. She's moved up to number three in the world, but she's nowhere near number two in the world. Is she peaked? Is this second coming of Lydia Ko kind of going to hover in that three range? Because when you look at her game, she doesn't have the game of Nelly Corda. She doesn't have that like smooth distance. She pretty much seems to have maxed out her distance and kind of can win when she gets the putter hot. So I guess the question is kind of like last year from Lydia Ko, is that as good as it's going to be moving forward? Uh, I don't necessarily think it's as good as it's going to be because I think she'll win a major again. Uh, I'm a big believer in what she's been doing over the last two years since she switched over to working with Sean Foley. Yeah, yeah, I know you're a I talk with Sean every time I'm out there. <laughs> yeah, no, I talk with Sean every chance I can get. He's uh, an interesting dude, but specifically about Lydia and her game and what they've been working on. And a lot of it has just been mental. I mean, thinking about she, you called her the second coming and that was whenever she was, you know, 16 years old. And just thinking about like at 16, could you be the face of a professional sport? Probably not. (laughs) And now it feels like she's been out there forever and she's only 24. So she's still so young that I think she can get back to, I, I, I mean, just right now with Jin Young Ko and 
Ellie Corda as 1A and 1B, I guess we'll call them. I know they're 1-2, but um, it's hard to, to see anyone catching them in the near future. But I think Lydia can definitely win a major. She almost did it last year at the ANA when she shot lowest final round in a major, major championship. So whenever she gets hot, she can get hot. And she's been playing some beautiful golf for the last two years. It is incredibly striking to me whenever we talk about someone like Lydia Ko or, or Alexi Thompson or a few of these other women, the way we think about age on the LPGA <laughs> tour versus the PGA tour is so crazy. So, I mean, for context, it's like Rory being a young star and winning majors. He was sort of doing that at the same age that now we're talking about Lydia Ko can she make a comeback? You know, <laughs> yeah. and and this is happening in the context of Rory and Spieth and Lydia winning last year after uh, long droughts without victories. I mean, it's just funny the way Dylan. What were that, you doing at twenty four? <laughs> I was. Were you grinding I, and parking I was cars? Also looking for a. <laughs> I was also looking for a comeback on my <laughs> professional golf career. I uh, was parking cars in a very difficult valet setting. At the Wanderers Club in Wellington, Florida, there's a really like a just a tight turn with cars parked around the outside, trying to navigate. I mean, did you ever did you ever screw look, that have up? You ever sat down in a car not known how to turn it on? Because look, at 24, there were a number of vehicles that. I mean, try try sitting in a Tesla for the first time and see. I if was going to say, Dylan. Thing. Whenever I was in college, I was doing the same thing. And the first time I sat down in a Tesla, I had to get on the radio and say, how do I turn it on? And they just said, no, you just go. You don't have to turn it on. You just get in and it's ready to go. Yeah, it's on. It's ready to go. And then, you know, you get the circumstances where Mrs. Smith walks into the locker room. This is the early days of not needing a, a key in the ignition oh. of your actual car. So you just keep it in your pocket, you know. So yeah, I mean, twenty-four. I I wouldn't say I'd peaked yet by any by any uh, stretch of the imagination. So maybe Lydia hasn't peaked either. But look, if this is the peak of her comeback, if number three in the world is the peak it's of her comeback, good. then touche <laughs> because that's a pretty pretty damn good peak. Yeah, I mean, she was uh, kind of searching for it in the woods for a while there, and then she started working with Sean and. I think he's helped her not only revamp her swing, but her mindset. So, but I think Lydia definitely has some more majors in her. She's uh, extremely talented and I think her mind's in the right place to get it done again. Zephyr, what's the state of Michelle Wee? Um, Michelle Wee West now. I mean, she's, she is uh, married to Johnny West. She's uh, living on the West Coast. She is determined to return to play. She played a, a half dozen LPGA events last year. And I mean, look, she's one of the most beloved figures in the sport for the last sheesh, decade and a half. I mean, we've known her, uh, we've known her in the public eye for more than half of her life. So is she looking to return as a, as a competitive player, as a competitive force? Has she kind of been through too much and she just wants to, uh, be out there a little bit like do you have a sense of where Michelle is or is does only Michelle kind of know that yeah that's a good question I've never really talked to Michelle about that in particular um, but I know that she's she had said that whenever she got hurt um, her wrist the last time a few years ago she kind of thought that was it and then she had her uh, her kid and then she decided you know like I want to show 
my kid that I can do this. And like, she got out there for her child and, you know, the comeback, she hasn't played particularly well, but she's still been getting out there and competing. I know she'll be playing in the tournament of champions um, in a couple of weeks. So we'll see her out there, but I don't think she'll, this is just pure speculation. I don't think she'll be playing a full schedule anymore um, in her career, but I think we could see sort of a, a tiger-esque schedule where she picks and chooses where she plays and tries to get out there and compete. Um, but yeah, you want to talk about someone who's been around a while, Michelle, we, she, yeah. uh, you know, we've known who she was for yeah half of her life. She made her last two cuts of 2021, um, two cuts and six starts, best finish, uh, tie for 40th. So she hasn't, you know, certainly been near contention yet, but I don't know. It's just, she's one of those figures that kind of transcends any given week and, and you would just hope maybe there's a little bit of magic in there. Yeah. I mean, she, you, you kind of hope that she'll have one of those tiger 2019 masters moments where she just puts it together one week. Phil 2021. Yeah. Or film 2021. She, I think she has that kind of firepower whenever, you know, she can put it all together, but I don't think, She's got twenty something years for uh, to reach <laughs> Phil's accomplishment. Yeah. So yeah, I I don't know that we'll ever see her be a consistent um, player again. But like I said, she'll pick and choose where she wants to play, playing some majors, and we might see one uh, week where the stars align. All right. So you teased uh, an answer earlier to what what this question is. So I need a different answer. The question is number seven: Who does the world? not know about right now that is going to do big things on the LPGA tour and soon. So you can't say Rose Zhang uh, because, well, she's honestly not on the LPGA tour. She's still playing amateur golf. Yeah. So who like, can we actually watch win tournaments, contend in tournaments that we have no clue even exists right now? No clue even exists. That's hard. If you're not following women's golf too closely, I'd say someone like Leona McGuire. Okay. Um, she had a stellar Solheim cup debut, went four Oh and one was just an absolute killer that week. So Leona McGuire might be one of those, another, um, another Solheim cupper. You had Matilda Castron from Finland. She, um, she won last year on tour. Um, but you know, some people don't pay too close attention. So those are two that I'd say are not at the top of, uh, people's minds if they don't pay much attention to women's golf, but they will be that Leona McGuire answer. I, I mean, she was remarkable at the Solheim cup and I know she was an extremely, um, highly ranked amateur. There was a lot of anticipation when she came out to turn pro, but I couldn't believe when I was just, you know, skimming through the world ranking, she's still number 42, I think. Wow. Um, She's had a handful of, you know, top tens, top results, but I guess just not enough to, to really jump her up there. Uh, we, we just started the PGA tour stock game, but if we were playing the LPGA tour stock game, which, which we really should, that'd be a stock I would be probably investing in would be LEO. Yeah. Get yourself some Leo. Leona McGuire is the real deal. All right, Zeph, the question right now, if you look at the very top of the world rankings, there's two players. Jin Young-Ko, Nelly Korda, they are almost doubling number three in the world, Lydia Ko, in terms of their uh, world ranking points. Who's world number one at the end of the season? Uh, just give me Jin Young-Ko only wow. because she's been doing it a little bit longer than Nelly. She's shown a little more consistency. Um, 
you know, not not that I don't love what Nelly's doing with her game, but no, Jin no, Young no. Ko, look, yeah, we're not we're not twisting your words here. No, Jin Young Ko has been uh, a few years now that she's stayed consistent up there, and she can strike her irons as well as anyone in the world. She hits green after green. She is just a machine in the way she plays golf. And so, I mean, she won five times last year and all in the second half of the year. So when she gets hot, there's no one really that can compete. I think the other thing that I don't know how big of a consideration it needs to be is just what we said earlier. There's a lot of, I think, inherent pressure on Nelly Korda to be the new face of American golf, to be the face of the LPGA Tour, a tour that predominantly plays and exists in America, is played on American time, like... That's one of those things that I I think, frankly, has eaten up Lexi Thompson in the past. And I'm not here to say that like she's crumbled or didn't handle it well, but it does weigh on you is the point. And I think Nellie is phenomenal. I think she has a great disposition and I think she can actually handle the weight of being the star of the tour. But we don't know. And Jin Young Ko yeah. doesn't have that, I don't think, at least coming from American fans. Yeah, I mean, Jin Young Ko is not um i mean i'm sure in korea she's a superstar but there are only a handful of events that are played over in south korea um but yeah i think you alluded to it nelly has what it takes if uh, she wants to be that face and you know she grew up in a star-studded family so she has people around here who understand the pressures that come with all of that so um yeah she's equipped if if that's what she wants so we'll see Jin Young Ko has won five of her last 10 starts and her, here's her seven most recent events. Win, sixth, second, win, win, sixth, win. Jesus. Unreal. <laughs> yeah. She's unbelievable. And I mean, it, whenever you're hitting every green in regulation, it takes a little bit of pressure off yourself. Literally, man, she just does it every green. hole after hole after hole. She is a machine. All right. Uh, number nine, we gotta get going on this. Uh, Zephyr, you're also like an instruction guy for golf.com. And so you in particular tap into who has a really nice swing, why it's a good swing. So when you look at the LPJ tour, who has your favorite swing on tour and why do people need to tune in to watch it? Um, so Nelly quarter would be too easy of an answer. That's just a soft. Love that. Well, I think Love everyone, that, everyone knows that Nelly has a great swing, but uh other than that i'd say gabriella ruffles um you know she hasn't yeah she was another player who outstanding amateur career won the u.s women's amateur um almost went back to back but lost to rosang so um but yeah i've talked to gabby a good bit and i love watching her play she's just got an incredible swing she only started playing competitive golf about seven years ago i think just makes you feel awful about yourself (laughs) she was a competitive tennis player (laughs) growing up and then you watch her swing now and it's absolutely incredible how she swings the golf club so yeah gabby ruffles it's so true has a fantastic looking golf swing all right z and then number 10 to round things out what are you most excited about this year you're going to be covering the lpga you're going to be going to some events you're going to be i'm you know i know dialed in on the results even when you're not there what has you excited for this year I'm just excited to see all the new investment that's going into the sport. You know, even over the last 18 months, we've seen so much 
um, investment in the sport and it's really made a difference. You know, KPMG is now doing strokes gained metrics. Chevron is pouring a ton of money into the first major of the year. They're going to move down to Houston. So that'll be fun. Um, and then with the U S women's open, they're almost doubling their purse this year. So all those investments, you know, you're going to start to see the product marketed better. You're going to start to learn these players stories a little better because people are going to have more eyeballs on it. So it's just an exciting time for women's golf and just seeing another great year of competition will be fun to watch. Love that. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, if you are a fan of the LPGA tour and you don't follow Zephyr, that's on you. If you're a fan of golf, you need to follow Zephyr and you need to follow the LPGA Tour. Zephyr, what is your handle? How do people follow you? It's just at Zephyr Melton. Spell that, that is, out. Uh, Zephyr, Zephyr's a different name. Z-E-P-H-Y-R-M-E-L-T-O-N. Love it. Thank you, Zephyr. And uh, thank you, Dylan. That's it for the drop zone this week, folks. See you next week.